You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. Now, if you haven't heard yet, uh, this is me telling you, you need to take a look at the new boots from Lacrosse, and they fall under the Navigator series. Now, what they've done is they've taken the best parts of a rubber boot and the best parts of your traditional hiking and hunting boot, and they've mashed them together to come up with this new line of boots from lacrosse and that is the navigator series now they have the women's wind rows they have the men's wind rows and then they have the atlas the atlas series within that as well so go to lacrossefootwear.com and check out this new line of boots that they have i've been using mine for a couple weeks now and i am very impressed with the the fit and the feel and i can't wait to get them in the woods this hunting season and uh, give them a trial run so lacrossefootwear.com check them out Welcome, folks, to the Freshwater Bite Podcast, your source for everything freshwater fishing. I'm your host, Lee Kleino, and on this podcast, you will hear from diehard anglers like yourself, the backstories of those anglers, techniques they use, gear reviews, and everything in between. So if you like fishing, turn it up, because this episode's about to kick off right now. Oh, yeah. We're back, everybody. We're back for another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 33. Hope you guys are doing good out there. And uh, yeah, it's it's fall time, kind of. It's getting cooler. And, you know, a lot of you might think of, or a lot of folks might think of football, you know, whitetail hunting, duck hunting, which we all are thinking about. And a lot of you guys are out there doing those activities but one thing to not forget is fall time is probably some of the best fishing of the season if not the best fishing of the season so my goal here this fall is to bring you some content that's going to hopefully keep fishing still in the front of your brain so you can get out there and uh you know catch some big fish and today i got a real treat for you guys i am joined by dylan Nussbaum, who is the youngest person or angler, I should say, to win an NWT event last year in 2018 at the age of 20 years old. And it's kind of cool to hear Dylan's story about, you know, how he got to where he is today and, you know, what it was like for him to win the tournament at such a young age. And, I mean, this guy is just super humble. And it's going to be cool to kind of maybe reflect years from now uh, and listen to this podcast and to see what he's doing on the NWT circuit years from now because I feel like he's going to be around for a long time. He's one of those guys that's just got that that focused you know, uh, mindset to, to go out and do big things here uh, on the NWT circuit. And uh, he also goes over some tips and tricks for this fall and uh, how to fish reservoirs this time of year and what he typically does. So uh, without any further ado, here's Dylan. Awesome. Well, hey, I am. Uh, I got Dylan on the podcast here. Dylan, how you doing, buddy? Doing pretty great. All right. Uh, what's going on in your neck of the woods? You just wrapped up a 2019 NWT season, right? Yep. Yeah, the 2019 season is over now. Um, actually, it was a little bit tough of a season for myself, so I actually went back to work here the past uh, week or two, 
And uh, now it's just pretty much the fall time fishing for myself, doing a lot of fun fishing, a couple tournaments here and there. And uh, actually got a trip out to Europe to go fish for some Xander here in the next, I think, couple weeks. So no way it's going to be busy, but a lot of fun. Uh, actually, I'll be going out there with uh, Troy Linder and uh, one of his buddies out there. Dude, that's awesome. Did he, just, oh, yeah. did he call you up and ask you to come along? Well, we actually met at uh, ICAST out there. We were talking for a little while, and he's like, well, I'm going on this trip out to uh, Europe for some Xander. He said, if you're uh, interested, you're more than welcome to come along, and I definitely was not going to pass up that opportunity. So oh, man. we head in there in a couple weeks. Dude, that's got to... That's a bucket list for a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've always wanted to catch a Xander and then to go along with the Troy Linder and his buddies, it's it's going to be awesome. Just anybody listening to this podcast who's not familiar with what a Xander is, can you just kind of quick sum it up? It's basically like the European version of walleye over there, right? Yeah, I mean, that's basically all it is. The, I mean, I mean, they look pretty much identical, but they got some bigger fins, a little bit different color pattern, and they just get monstrous. and. Uh, they said they, it's possible to get up to 40 inches over there. And Troy said we have a good chance of catching one in the mid 30s, 36 inch or somewhere in there. So oh I'm really God. hoping we can get one like that. It's going to give the old eerie walleye a run for their money. Oh, absolutely. I've, I've heard they fight like crazy. They they don't fight like a walleye, I guess. They, they fight a lot harder, I guess. So I don't know. We're going to find out. Are they considered a game fish over there? Like we go after walleye here. Are they like like good table fare and everything? I'm 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 pretty sure. I mean, I'm not a hundred percent. I'm still just looking to it, looking into that stuff myself, just trying to figure it all out. And yeah, trying to find some more info on these fish to uh, see what they do and see how we're going to be catching them and such. Yep. Well, hey, uh, you know, a lot of folks out there know who you are, but can you just give yourself a brief introduction, uh, you know, of, of who you are and where you're from and the bodies of water you kind of you kind of grew up fishing on? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, my whole life I've been fishing in the Allegheny Reservoir. It's um, basically about an hour away from where I live. And we've always went there camping and pretty much just started getting in tournaments and stuff with my father. And it just kept taking off from there. So I've been fishing tournaments with my father for 10 years now. And we just pretty much basically start, slowly started to branch off and ended up going to our first NTC and ended up getting 11th place there. And after that, I mean, we just started going to like Lake Erie and just more and more lakes. I mean, staying within maybe a four hour radius of where I live. You're, um, you're I in Pennsylvania, in- right? Yeah, I live in St. Mary's, Pennsylvania, so there's not a ton of lakes around me, so I have to kind of drive to get to the lakes I want to go to, but um, still try to break out and get to as many lakes as possible right around uh, our little area. So that's interesting. So you grew up fishing mostly reservoirs. Yes, that's pretty much where I learned basically everything, and I I think that's the best possible place to uh actually start learning to walleye fish because i believe they are one of the toughest places to consistently catch walleyes every day and every just throughout the whole year yeah that's interesting to me what did you learn when you you know going from you know the reservoirs to the lakes what was the biggest difference that you seen or something that you had to get used to whether good or bad well on the reservoirs i mean it basically taught me you have to have a ton of different techniques and you have to be prepared for anything. And then going out to a bigger lake, 
Um, even something like Lake Erie, which Lake Erie is completely different than a reservoir out there. It's uh, a lot of trolling, trying to cover water, trying to find the bait, stay on the bait, and trying to find the fish out in open water. There's no structure really to hold them. Right. At least, at least on the east end, where it's just pretty much a big basin and not much structure to hold fish. Yeah. Um, so, it, so you have to uh, just pretty much go out there, trust your electronics, and and try to figure it out. So it's a whole different ball game than a than a reservoir. Yeah, Erie's got you know, like you said, not known for much structure. A little bit here. I'm over on the the southeast corner of Michigan, kind of like where the Michigan Ohio border. We have a little bit of structure over here, and obviously around the islands and stuff like that. But for the most part, like you said, those fish are either suspended or you know on the bottom that depending on the time of year and it's it's a it's definitely a way to hone your skills is going out into a big body of water like that and being able to keep that that bait in front of them wherever they're at yeah absolutely i mean going from a reservoir it teaches you so many different techniques and then going to a big body of water such as lake erie it it really helps you dial in for when them fish do move out even on a bigger uh a natural lake from like out in the Midwest, uh, when them fish do move out and they suspend in some areas, or they'll go out into that big mud basin. And going out to a place like Lake Erie helps you out a ton when you're trying to find them, trying to find them fish and schools of bait to where them fish are holding on. So, what gave you the confidence to go from you know like the reservoirs and the local tournaments to kind of put your name in the hat to go at the you know the big stage of the NWT? Well, my father and I, we actually went out to four national team championships now, and we ended up placing or getting in the top 25 at two of them now. And I mean, after going to them, I just kind of wanted to go bigger and bigger. I mean, I just loved every part of it. There's just so many boats and people from all over the place. And we always went to cool areas. And that was one thing that I really liked was just trying new areas. But um, I mean... When I made the jump to go and fish in NWT, my father was actually selling the boat that I have now. And he's like, well, if you keep asking me about this boat, if you if uh, if I could take over the payments. And uh, he said, well, if you can get the loan out for it, you can have it. And ended up getting the loan out for it. And that was pretty much the, the huge turning point for me where I said, I, I really want to try this out before... Uh, I go out and get a house and such and so it, it just pretty much made me want to hurry up and go do this while I while I can while I don't have a house kids and nothing just holding me back so it's always been a dream of mine and I figured I better go for it now while I can yeah man that's cool that you're self-aware enough to to, to realize that you know to to say you know there's really no rush and you know, jumping into quote unquote life, you know, you know, mm-hmm. swing for the fences and kind of do what you're passionate about and see how it turns out. And, uh, it, and it did. So you talk a little bit about your first year on uh, the NWT. Yeah. I mean, the first year on the NWT, the, the first stop we had was Lake Winnebago, which I mean, it was supposed to be on the uh, Mississippi river, but it ended up moving to Lake Winnebago, which, um, I was completely okay with cause I've never been on a big river. So it was, it kind of worked out good for me just going for to a first NWT and um, I mean everything was new for me so going on a body of water that was kind of similar to some lakes where I was fishing um, just locally it really helped me out um, just to have a little bit of confidence but it was definitely intimidating going out there and seeing 
like Corey Sprangle, the Parsons, the Kavias, all them guys out there, and and you're out there just in just a local twenty year old kid that's trying to uh, <laughs> go out there and fish the NWT and watching all these guys out there. It was pretty intimidating, but um, yeah, kind of just got over that. My my father just kept telling me just just treat it like it's one of the local tournaments that no one else is better than you out there. Just go out there and fish, and so I just kind of started to get over it and. I mean, after that, I pretty much just moved on from that. That was a big thing. I was kind of very intimidating. But moving forward through that, ended up going out to Devil's Lake, which that was basically the one lake that made me really, really want to go to the NWT that year. And Have you fished it going, prior? Nope, nope. I've never fished here before. But just seeing all the structure out there, I mean, it just looked exactly like what um, I grew up on fishing. So it just looked awesome, and I've always heard awesome things about it. And so, I mean, I was just super excited to just go there and have fun and fish it. And then taking the win with, uh, with my partner and I, my partner ended up getting second place there also. And after we took that, and became the youngest to win the NWT. It was just an amazing year, and that it really opened up so many doors um, for myself with sponsors and just so many different things. It just helped me out tremendous, and it was just awesome. Yeah, you were, you know, you're one of those stories where, you know, obviously, like you said, like no one knew who you were over at Winnebago, right? So that was your first yep, tournament. I'm, you showed up. No one knows who you are. You're just an you know, some folks probably just think you're a local or something like that jumping in the tournament. But then here you show up at Devils, which has known to humble a lot of professional anglers. And you win it at the age of 20 years old. So you're the youngest angler to ever win an NWT uh, event at 20 years old. And then, like you said, you you blew up basically. Like everybody, I mean, I remember following it during the during the tournament. I always follow the tournament and like the live feeds and the weigh-ins and stuff like that. And then you know when you wage your bag, I was like, who is this guy? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I, it, like you know, you look at your boat. You didn't have a ton of sponsors all over the place. You didn't have uh you know a big fancy fiberglass boat. Not that there's anything wrong with that of having an aluminum one, but you know mm-hmm. it, it was really really cool to see something unfold like that and. uh I bet you it was very inspiring to a lot of other anglers out there, young anglers, to show that, you know, it, you, you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, after that tournament, I had so many people um, from 20 years old all the way to 30 years old that were messaging me and texting me and saying, what do I got to do? What should I do here? And um, they're like, I, I really want to make this jump. And how, how do I make it happen? And I just always tell them, you just got to, you got to set yourself up in a good place where you can take off and do this and if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out and there's nothing wrong with that but there's always that chance it can work out and if it, when it does it's it's the best feeling in the world would you say that you know in order to do something like i mean from i'm just i'm from the outside but i would imagine it's a lifestyle right it's not just like i'm going to throw my name into this one tournament and hope for the best but you got to kind of be it's got to be a lifestyle for you. Kind of got to get, you know, go all in and just don't worry about the outcomes and just do your best, kind of thing. Yep, absolutely. With with especially with fishing the NWT, I mean, you have to be one hundred percent into it. I mean, you have to be 
thinking about what the walleyes are going to be doing, think about what you're going to be doing next. I mean, every day of the week, it doesn't matter if you're fishing or you're working, you're just always thinking about what you're going to do next and how you're going to do it. And it's, I mean, it, it takes up pretty much the whole year of just planning and thinking about what's going to be next. Mm-hmm. And then after winning, how has your life changed, like you said, with the sponsors and everything like that? And so now you're getting into more of the business side or the, you know, you're, you're, you're backed by a lot of big name companies. How, how has that experience been for you? I mean, it, going into it, I had no idea what to expect. I mean, I was just 20, I'm, I mean, I'm just 20 years old and I've never done this before. And so I, it was uh, definitely an eye opener when, I mean, I had some people contact me with uh, some bigger names and I mean I'm sitting there wondering I'm like I don't even know how to do this I don't know what kind of offers I should be taking I don't know right basically anything that I'm doing right now so all I did I mean I just I reached out to some people at Fishing NWT and asked them I mean what should I be doing here and just kind of got some help and went went through there and um ended up just pretty much going with what uh going with my, my gut was telling me to do and just made the deals with the companies that I, I really liked and believed in. And I mean, it, it just worked out. Right. So let's talk about your, your boat a little bit. You know, I mean, it, you know what I liked about it too, is like, you know, a lot of guys think they got to have this really nice fiberglass, uh, you know, fishing boat to go out and, mm-hmm. uh, and to, to go in these big bodies of water and, and fish in it. But I mean, a lot of folks probably have a similar boat to what you have. You just, what did you have? Like an 18 foot aluminum boat? Uh, 2175. Oh, 2175. Uh, okay. Yep. And yep. That, and, and, and that did, that did the job because you went, so last year I'm just thinking you went Winnebago, then you went Saginaw Bay and then mm-hmm. you went Devils, right? And then yep. where, where was, yep. and then the championship uh, the, out on Lake of the Woods. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's cool. I, I mean, it was, that's what, that was like so surreal to, to, to see like, you know, when, when you're going through these tournaments and, you know, showing up and, you know, just like, like you said, like an unwrapped, just a basic kind of boat and, and going out there and putting up big numbers. It was, it was cool to see. Yeah. I mean, that, that was one of the really cool things about it too. Um, just to, just to show people you don't need all the big fancy stuff on the boat. And I mean, I mean, I can't complain with my boat one bit, but I mean, to go out there without a big wrap on it or anything and, and to win it, it was just, it was really neat. Mm-hmm. So how did the prep go from, you know, having a really successful 2018 season and then the off season going into 2019? How was that, well, how was how that change or that transition different from the prior year? Well, I mean basically i pretty much do all the same things i mean after i see the schedule for the season um basically once i see the river and then we're going to a great lake and then i just pretty much get all my stuff prepped up for whatever we're doing like uh when we're we were supposed to go to red wing again this year mm-hmm. and and it ended up getting canceled which i had so much stuff ordered up for river fishing and i pretty much had everything ready to go and then when they said they were switching i'm like well I'm just going to throw all that stuff out and start fresh and basically get ready all over again for Lake Winnebago. But I mean, basically I have my boat rigged up for any situation possible. I got six or eight techniques in in my boat pretty much at all times to, uh, 
just to go along with whatever's going to happen out there. I mean, you can't, you can't plan everything about how it's going to go, but you can always be prepared for it. Was there one, t- t- I mean, obviously we should all be practicing all techniques to catch walleye, but if there's one that you could say folks should hone in on or really try to figure out that would be more beneficial for them in multiple settings, what, what would you say that would be? Oh boy, that's a, that's a tough one, but like, one of my techniques. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, one of my techniques that I always go to are jigging wraps and uh, flat jigs. I mean, I use them pretty much all year round. And I mean, the springtime when the fish are still in that real cold water, it, it is sometimes tough to get them to go on the jigging wraps. But if I did have one technique to go throughout the whole year, it, it would probably be the jigging wrap bite. Okay. Yep. That one that's been a lot, very popular. And it, it seems like a lot of folks that you talk to are always reluctant to try it. But like, once you go out there and you figure out, you know, what they're after the cadence or the, you know, working that jig back to the boat, it's, I think it's some, probably my favorite way to catch walleye. Yeah. And it is mine too. It, it's so much fun. And I pretty much just live for that tick when the walleyes just hammer that jig and wrap. And I, I just can't get enough of that. I have to go out there and just wait for that tick every single day and hope that day um, them fish are just so aggressive that they knock slack in the line. Yeah, and it seems like more and more it's working on different bodies of water where folks might not think it'd be able to work on, right? So like the big, the big, even the big lakes, right? If you, As long as you find that structure, that mud basin of where they're at, you can pitch it out to them and it just, they love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Even, uh, on Lake Erie this year, we got to, uh, even out on the East end, I mean, there's no structure. We were just actually going along and we were actually bottom bouncing the fish were in shallower and it was a little bit earlier time of the year mm-hmm. and we just kept marking a bunch of them on the bottom. So we ended up just, uh, casting out some flat jigs and it was instantly a game changer. It went from catching 20 inches to catching 28 inches, 30 incher and it it was just a lot of fun, something different, and it just triggered them big fish. Yeah, the, you know, the other technique that I I think I feel like a lot of guys shy away from or just hesitant to get into is just pulling lead core because mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it's something different from what they're used to. You know, a lot of guys pull the monos with the boards and all that kind of stuff. Do you pull lead core? Absolutely, I do. Uh, I mean, out on Lake Erie, um, I try to I try to actually get away from it a little bit and go to snap weights and such be, just because it it can be a lot when you're out in 50 feet of water and you got a 250 feet of lead core out. Right. But on reservoirs and inland lakes, lead core is lead core is actually probably one of the most effective trolling techniques on an inland lake by far. Um, even on like, like the reservoirs that I fish. Um, it's basically either jigging or you got to be trolling lead core and you can just catch fish every day of the week out there. You go out there. If a giant cold front just came through, you could, you're still going to catch them pulling that lead core. And, um, it's just so effective because you can, you can keep your baits right on the bottom. We fish a lot of muddy lakes out here. So, um, half of the time the fish are just laying right in the mud and, you can basically just keep your lures ticking right on the bottom at all times. You catch a leaf. Um, you can instantly tell you have it on your line, bring it up and get it back out there with, which with boards, it can be pretty tough when you're trying to fish structure like that. Sure. What do you think is intimidating about it? Just the setup for folks of what line to run and how far back to go and all that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, it is a whole new ball game if you never fished lead, lead core before. I mean, it is a whole new ball game, but it still is probably one of the simplest ways to troll. I mean, there's nothing that you have to do too crazy with it. I mean, what I am always doing with my lead core is I'm basically, um, if I'm in maybe 20 feet of water, I basically have that in my head. I got to go down maybe around like 120 feet, and I'm just going to let that out there until I start taking bottom. And I'm basically just going to keep bringing it up just maybe just three cranks, just enough to try to get that lure to just start taking bottom or just come right above it. Okay. And even if you're fishing uh, like structure or humps or something, you just bring it up over that a little bit. Um, I mean, basically wait until you think that hump is at your lures and then you're going to drop it back down right. and try to get it to follow, follow down the other side. And um, there's nothing too difficult about it. It just... Um, you got to try it. You got to experiment with it. And I can assure you, you're not going to be, uh, not going to be too, uh, too upset with what the result results are. Right. All right. So getting back into a little bit of the tournament, tournament fishing, then we'll get back into some, some questions that I have for, for this time of year. But what was the biggest thing that you learned from last season to this season? Well, from last season, last year, last year I had a an absolute great year with two wins, and then this year um, I ended up only cashing one check this year. So it was definitely a tough year. Um, but this year I ended up, I think it was at Green Bay. Um, I actually got to watch Corey Sprinkle catch forty pounds about twenty feet from my boat. <laughs> And I had nothing. And oh, I could not get him to go. And he got on the rocks first, and I was on the sand where I was catching him, and I couldn't get him to go. Um, so right there, it was it was a real big eye opener. Where you, you're on such a, like a, a big lake like that, and it's so hard to break down every little piece. But um, one thing is, you just you can't ever give up um, after being out on the water every day for. 12 hours a day um you just got to keep fighting through it and this year i could definitely see that and i definitely have to expand my horizons a little bit with uh different techniques and getting a little get a little more dialed in with them mm -hmm. um that's definitely uh, one thing that i i gotta work on a little more in my opinion don't you feel like that 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 grit or that grind is is good for you though uh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, when you're sitting there back at the truck, you're all worn out, but you think about it and you can't ever be upset. I mean, cause you're out on the water, you're fishing every day. And I mean, you can't be upset about that at all. Hell no. A lot of us wish we were out there losing <laughs> yeah. or something like that <laughs> rather than being at work. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I you know, it's, it's that thing. It's like, you know, it's good pressure to put on yourself, but it's always good to, to reflect and, and, and learn. I mean, you're so young, right? So you're, mm -hmm. you're 21, 22 years old now, 21. Yep. 21 now. Yeah. So you're 21 years old and you know, obviously your, your hard work in the past growing up fishing for walleye has paid off at devils and you know, you're on the stage now. Everyone knows who you are. So I, I, I can imagine that there's pressure, but at the same time, man, I mean, you're so young. It's just, it'll be cool to see you grind it out. And, you know, when you have tough days on the water, it's just more arsenal you're putting in your bag. If you can, if you can learn from it, you know? 
Yeah, for sure. And every one of these tournaments, if you can just take one thing home from each tournament, I mean, that's basically a win because it's something else that you can put in your pocket for um, even the next lake or next year or five years down the road. If you can t- pick up just one little tip and that one little tip can pay off huge in the, in the end. Right. All right. Well, let's get into a little bit of fall fishing. It's uh, it's probably now one of my probably my favorite time to fish during during the year. It's it's tough though because you know there's a lot of us out here that are whitetail or duck hunters and things like that. So uh, you know our minds start to wander a little bit. But now is this time of year I feel is a really good time of year for folks to get out and uh, catch really big fish. Absolutely. I mean, the fall time is by far my favorite time to fish. Um, in the fall time, I really think the fish are a lot more predictable, and especially in the reservoirs, if your reservoirs are uh, dropping water levels very quick, or uh, even if you're just still on a man-made or uh, lake that does not fluctuate with water depths, you can still usually pattern them walleyes pretty easily, and it's just a ton of fun. So what are the fish doing this time of year in the reservoirs? Let's say the the, the levels are falling. Uh, right now on our uh, reservoirs, we have the water dropping, I mean, a foot a day, two feet a day. They're dropping really quick. So a lot of the times, them fish are actually moving up a lot of shallow, where we're basically fishing in 10 feet and less pretty much every day. Okay. And that's basically where they've set up for, I mean, the past 10 years when we've been fishing this lake. And it just seems like fish all across the country set up in that 10 foot and less yep. um, a lot of the times in this fall time structure. But um, because the they're, ch- they're chasing what, the bait then, right? Because they're the baits yeah. all going in the shallow and, you know, winter's coming. So they want to throw on the feed bag. Yeah. I mean, basically so many times um, we find these high walls and um, high walls are probably one of the coolest places to fish for walleyes and one of the most overlooked places for walleyes uh we will actually fish these big pretty much maybe a half a mile stretch of high wall where the water drops from um maybe we're pretty much casting into one foot of water and it's dropping off maybe to 15 feet of water and that's where it's going to flatten out and so many times when you're pitching a say you're pitching a jig and wrap up there uh maybe like a blade bait and you see that bait spray, you know that day it's going to be just a crazy day and you're going to have a ton of fun. Um, because so many times the walleyes are just pushing that bait up right against some high walls. And when that's going on, I mean, they're going to hit anything you throw in there and they're going to be aggressive. So you're tossing into the shallows in that one foot of water. You said it's a steep drop off right to 15? Yep. So, yep. Most of the time. Yeah. So do you just kind of, are they going after that falling like dead minnow motion kind of thing when they, when you're popping it off the wall? Yep. I mean, that's all I'm going for. And I mean, so many times that you'll actually pitch a jig and wrap up in and say it's one foot of water. I mean, as soon as it splashes, you'll see a swirl and you'll just feel that slack knock right in your line and the fish is just taken off. And, and it, half of the time, it's usually a big walleye. Most of some of the times you can get a big pike doing that too, but when you see a big swirl, sometimes it's a it's a monster walleye sitting up there ready for ready to eat. Okay, and then you know obviously you you've got it on some type of like like a braid line, right? Yeah, most of the time I'm running like a suffix eight thirty two braid, and um, with jig and wraps I usually put on maybe a two to three foot fluorocarbon leader. Most of the time I'm using fifteen pound. With that fifteen pound 
fluorocarbon. It just keeps it from tangling a lot more, especially if you're throwing blade baits. I don't even go under a 15-pound fluorocarbon leader. Okay. But, I mean, that's basically my setup all across the board. Um, with the braid, you can just feel so much more. Even when, uh, even when you have some slack in your line and the fish still hit it, you can still feel that tick in the line. And what kind of rod are you using? Are you using like a seven-foot medium light or medium action? Um, most of the time, I'm running anywhere. Usually, I'm running a 6.8. Um, okay. I run the wide-eyed tasking rods, but the 6.8 medium action, that's pretty much what I'm always pitching up into the shallows. Um, if I'm throwing a blade bait, then I will actually switch over to a casting setup, casting reel, and um, I just like them better. Um, just basically for the cadence, I that's just how I like to rip a rip a blade bait. Okay, and then uh, you know, obviously, other things to pay attention to on the body of water. You're going towards that windswept sides of like points and things like that, where anywhere where these walleye can pin the pin the bait up into the structure. Yeah, I mean, windblown shorelines are another huge thing. And along with that, I mean, offshore humps, if you can find even just gravel or rock. I mean, this time of year, gravel and rock is just on fire. And if especially if wind's blowing up on it, I like to get on the upwind side of it. And just if the wind's blowing decent enough, I'll actually just uh, anchor up with my troll motor and go right to the back of the boat and pitch right up on top of them humps and Okay. Um, it's just a really effective way to work over an area. Yep. And then, uh, you know, the other thing too is, uh, are you fishing all the way up until basically snow's flying and things like that? Yeah. Usually I'll go up to all the way till snow's flying. Um, we'll actually be fishing when the snow's flying too. But I think last year, uh, when we put the boat away, it was January 5th. It was the day after my birthday. And, um, we ended up getting out of the water, out on the water. The ice melted enough where we could get off the ramp and go fishing for the day. And we caught some monster fish. I think the later you can go, the better it's going to get. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to get you. You know, the distress during this conversation right here is, you know, obviously the weather's going to suck as we get into to colder weathers. And depending on where you live, obviously in the Midwest here, we lock up pretty quick, but you know, if you can go right to the end, I mean, those fish are got those feed bags on the entire time and it's, it's a lot of action and you know, it, it, it's a great time. And, and you know, the other thing too, anybody listening to this, the spots where you're catching them in the fall time, you know, right before that ice, that first ice is probably a good spot to start when you're ice fishing too. I'm not sure if you ice fish or not, but typically that's what we see up here in the Midwest is, you know, wherever you're catching them in the fall time kind of thing, that's always a good spot to go with first ice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I try to get out as much as possible um, over here with the uh, reservoir that I'm on. It's, I mean, we don't. We maybe get a month or two where we can actually get out on the ice. But exactly what you said, uh, basically just hit them same exact fall spots when you're going out on the ice, and it's definitely going to pay off. Usually, them fish will stick real close to where they, uh, where they, where you actually left off, and you're catching them maybe a month earlier. That's right. So what are your ambitions now being on the NWT and things like that? Like what would be, what would mean the most for you or what are you going to strive to be? I mean, I mean, everyone's going for that angler of the year title and next year I just, uh, I just want to kind of come back to it and I just want to do good. I mean, I don't want, well, I, I actually, <laughs> you always want to win, but right. um, next year I, I just really would like to, uh, keep a steady pace throughout the year, do, uh, get some checks and, um, really go through it. But 
I mean, you're still always going for that first place title, but as long as you, uh, as long as you don't bomb out at every tournament, it's, it's tough. It's definitely tough on this NWT tour, but mm-hmm. I'm definitely going for a, a consistent season. That's what I, that's what I would really like. Yeah. And from talking from other anglers here on the podcast, I've had some folks who've, who fished the NWT, some other names. And, you know, one thing, one common theme that I always hear is, you know, I mean, obviously not anyone's going to tell you there's all their secrets, but at the same time, there's a lot of support from the other veterans in the, on the, on the tour. And, you know, it's pretty welcoming from what I hear. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, pretty much everyone on the tour is super nice. I mean, even at the last, uh, tournament at devil's Lake, my troll motor ended up going out and I was pretty much done three ways before the tournament. And I would have had to drive. I don't even know where to find a Minn Kota dealer to fix my motor and ended up putting a post on Facebook. And so many people from the tour are like, well, I got this extra troll motor. I got a buddy that's got this and ended up one of the guys, uh, chase Parsons, he had an extra troll motor and he's like, just take it and use it and, um, just give it back at the end of the tournament. And I mean, that's just, that just shows you how supportive everyone actually is. And it's not all about, um, not all about the game all the time. Yeah. Isn't that great? Plus it's, it's good for the sport and it's good for the future of the sport, right? Cause if all those guys and the veterans had, you know, young guys like you coming in and, you know, let's say that they treated you like shit or something like that, you know, it's, it'd be bad for the future of not only the tournament, but the sport of fishing too. So that's, that's great to hear. And, you know, I, it's going to be interesting to watch you th- throughout the years. I know you're going to do a great job and, uh, you know, you're one of those young wild card that a lot of guys always have their eyes on or anglers have their eyes on. And it'll be fun to follow your journey, man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't wait for next year and, uh, see what the future brings. All right, dude. Well, Hey, good luck in the off season preparing when the schedule comes out and, uh, yeah, we'll be watching you, uh, next year in the 2020 season. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me on here. Yeah, you bet, buddy. Nothing to it but to put your mind to it. Right? That's what Dylan did. Just went out there and swung for the fences and ended up winning an NWT tournament last year. And uh, now he's a household name in the in the walleye fishing industry. So that was cool. I want to thank Dylan again for coming on the podcast. Uh, you know, anybody out there fall fishing in reservoirs, uh, hopefully you guys learned something about that high wall that he was talking about and where to pitch your jigs and, um, you know, find kind of that windswept high wall side of the lake and, uh, you know, go to town, pitch those, uh, jigging wraps out there. And, um, maybe you can, uh, to get in some big ones this time of year, this is the time of year where you want to be out on the water and, you know, fishing as much as you can, uh, in between, uh, you know, the marsh and, uh, the woods. So, I want to, you know, continue to encourage you guys to head on over to the Freshwater Bite Facebook page and make sure you like that page and you can see the updates and the, the, when the podcast episodes will be launching and coming out. And then also remember to follow uh, the Freshwater Bite over on Instagram. And, uh, you know, as always, guys, DM me, write in some emails, things like that. Head on over to the Facebook, or I'm sorry, the, the website uh, at uh, freshwaterbite.com. Uh, send me an email, some topics that you guys want to hear about or some guests. But as always, I want to sign off with thanking you for listening and we'll see you here next time.